Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, a long weekend in the books. You have a good time, hang out in the heat, play some golf, go on a hike, watch some jazz basketball. I know the jazz have played two scrimmages since last we spoke, and uh, I thought they looked really different. I thought the first one looked really ragged. Uh... I don't know what to put that to. I wouldn't think disinterested, although I think I think some of you would think that's exactly what it was, DJ. It's just to go down there and to be there. It's your only reason to be there and then to play like that. I, I put it more to rust, uh, a little confusion, a little slow to react, definitely a lack of urgency. I think it was... Uh, that's the phrase I'm looking for. Fake urgency, probably, in the second game. I mean, there's the urgency to play better. But down deep, these guys all know it's a scrimmage. You know, it's, it's, it's a scrimmage. It's not a game. It's not a playoff game. It's not even a regular season game. But they, you know, they, they just look so bad in the first game. You know, they got beat in transition. They couldn't keep guys out of the paint when they did have them in the half court. Uh, it just it wasn't good. You know, Phoenix isn't a good team. And I know Miami was shorthanded. I had a lot of you tweeting that at me. But I thought they looked better. And that's regardless or irregardless of the quality of the opposition. Miami's a better team than Phoenix. Arguably, Miami's a better team even when they're missing two players. And I know they kept taking shots at Jimmy Butler over there on the sideline. That's a heck of a player to be missing. Um, but I just thought uh, the Jazz looked more in tune. They looked more in sync. I thought they played with more purpose and energy. Now, that doesn't mean that they were good or they were very good or they were great or anything like that. I think no matter what teams did in their second scrimmage, uh, you know, it takes two days for everybody down there to, to get that second scrimmage. You know, the level of the second scrimmage needs to be better than the first, but nobody played at a level that's going to win playoff games. Maybe they wouldn't even win regular season games. We'll have to see what they look like when they get to them. But my anticipation is, although the Jazz look better, the quality of play is going to keep going up. And what won, th- what won this past weekend isn't going to win next weekend. And what wins next weekend won't win the week after that. I expect it to ramp up. PK made this point when we were talking on on TV last night, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of um, what you see over the course of the season. Now, of course, over the course of the season, we're going to have normal length playoffs here in Orlando, assuming they go as scheduled, compared to what we have. But the regular season, it's 82 games, is going to be a tenth of that. We're just going to see eight regular season games here. The preseason, the three scrimmages, that's basically what the preseason is. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much play, the quality play ramps up in these eight regular season games. I think it's going to ramp up pretty fast. I think it's going to be good because they're only there for one reason. There's no point in going down there and sucking. <laughs> There's just no point in going down there and stinking it up. And that's not just a jazz thing. That's for any team. You know, you might as well go down there. You know, the whole league is watching. You know, there's coaches and assistant coaches down there telling people the same thing Jerry Sloan told guys, you know, a couple, two, three decades ago. Hey, the whole league's got film, right? There's 20 other... I might be handling it wrong, but there's 29 other teams watching. And that, that's more true now than ever. There's more video. Jerry was saying that back in a game when, you know, the Jazz, when I got here, and Jerry by then was in his probably, what, fifth or sixth year coaching the team, uh, there were only 55 Jazz games on TV. And now there's video of everything, including all these scrimmages. People are always watching. You have never been scouted as an NBA player better than you've been scouted now. So I thought I thought the Jazz upped their game quite a bit from one to two. They're going to have to up it a lot more. I still stand by what I said last uh, Thursday. Well, I said it Thursday, but I've said it before that as well. I think losing Bogdanovich 
is a massive loss. I think it's a huge loss. I don't think there's any way you can take a starter off a team in an era when shooting means so much and when an era uh, when three-point shooting means so much and you're taking off a guy who's a really good shooter, a really good three-point shooter, and he scores 20 points a game. And you just, you're not going to be as good. Now you can do some other things better. Thurl was talking about that on the broadcast. Um, and I thought, despite the fact they weren't there, I thought the broadcast looked pretty good. Um, and Thurl was talking about, uh, you know, you will get some buckets from other guys because they will get the shots that would have gone to Bogdanovich. And uh, maybe you'll defend better, right? You might put out better lineups that are better defensively than with Bogdanovich. Uh, we know Bogdanovich had that famously had that 35 points, zero rebounds, zero assist game. Maybe get somebody out there who's a better rebounder and who passes the ball better and gets you some easy hoops. And I buy all of that. But I still think at the end of the day, his ability to shoot trumps all that. Shooting is what you get the points for. <laughs> you can do everything else right if you miss the shot, especially when you miss the open shot. You know, the screen, the angle, uh, you know, it, how they defend, how they rotate, everything. Everything gets trumped by did the shot go in. If you do it all well and the shot's contested and it goes in, eh, so what? They get the points. And if it's wide open, if you run the offense great and the defense breaks down and you miss the wide open shot, no, that's all that matters. You know, shooting is so critical in basketball. Now, having said that, the Jazz are down a guy. We got to see. Um, we got to see as this plays out how it goes, because we're going to see shorthanded teams. I mean, the Clippers with the Lou Williams story over the weekend. Uh, sad, hilarious. Doc Rivers is angry. Most of the NBA is giggling. I mean, he goes to a funeral. Um, and he goes to the and, and he, he, <laughs> I can't even get the words out. He goes to a funeral in Atlanta, <clears throat> and it's for extended family. And and after the viewing, he said after the viewing, uh, you know, he did go to the strip club Magic City to get the food. He said all the guys know what my favorite place is. And I saw this in a Yahoo story I was reading about it, and I couldn't believe it that they actually have a dish named for him. And so, sure enough, I Googled it. And, and when I say dish, I'm talking about on the menu, people. Stop it. I know. I, I see you. I know what you do. Stop it. And so, you click on there. You can go. <laughs> everything's online, right? You can go look at the menu. And there it is. Lou Williams literally has wings named after him at that strip club in Atlanta. And I used to play in Atlanta. I guess it's a few blocks from the arena. Uh, unbelievable story. But now he's got to be quarantined for 10 days. It's such a bad look. It's a, and he can say, well, I wasn't there for the show. I was there earlier. I was hungry right after the viewing. Everybody knows it's my favorite place. It's just a bad look. you got to know better. I don't, I don't know what time you went there. I don't know what time you left. I don't know how long you were there. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a picture of you inside, and that can't happen. Man, if you got to get the food, you got to at least get curbside. Come on, dude. Come on. You know, and ironically, the NFL foresaw this. The NFL is a story of the weekend that the NFL and the Players Association have cut a deal. And how unusual it is it for the Players Association to give the okay to take guaranteed money away from the players. I mean, that everything's guaranteed in baseball and basketball. But in football, that breakdown on what's guaranteed and what's not, that is a big deal. That is huge. And 
for them to okay that, <clears throat> there are going to be fines if guys for all kinds of high risk behavior. Um, if you go to an indoor club, if you go to a private indoor party and there's more than 15 people there, if you go to church and it's more than 25% full because people, you know, singing hymns at church and if it's crowded, everyone's down deep in their lungs just blasting stuff out into the room. <clears throat> so there's a whole long list of stuff they can't do. It's kind of an addition to the stuff they're already not supposed to be doing. You know, don't go skiing, uh, don't go mountain biking, don't jump out of airplanes and go... Uh, uh, parasailing or any of that. Don't go hang gliding. Don't, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing nothing with anything resembling a parachute. Um, some guys can't play basketball, right? Steve Young famously wasn't supposed to be skiing in the offseason. I'm led to believe he did, but he wasn't supposed to be. Um, and so they're really tacking stuff onto this, and they are going to, and then if you test positive and, they, and you miss games, you don't get your guaranteed money. But w- players breaking the rules is going to lead to other players getting exposed. So, yeah, the Players Association is helping hammer one guy, but at the same time they could be protecting dozens of other guys. And uh, I think we need to give the last word on this topic to Damian Lillard, who was asked before the bubble if he thought guys would keep all the rules. And he said, no, (laughs) no, I don't. (laughs) And he was right. Lou Williams proves that. But it's going to have an impact on the Clippers here. He's the fifth guy. They're starting center. Uh, isn't hasn't been with the team. Patrick Beverly left. Lou Williams left. And now he's going to be quarantined 10 days. Uh, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving out two other people. Oh, Montrez Harrell is one. I'm still missing somebody else. There's somebody else. Zubon, the big guy. Uh, who else am I missing? I can't remember. But it's five Clippers. You know, now, now we're still a long ways away, right? I mean, we're like three weeks to the playoffs, so they can get guys back. And, you know, if they hold on to that two seed, which I guess they might, you know, they might blow it, but if they hold on to that two seed, that'd be pretty heavy favorites against the seven. See how it plays out. If they don't have their full team, get ready for an upset, right? All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Jay-Z, Justin Zanuck, Jazz General Manager, uh, from the bubble, um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. He, he talks about a lot of stuff, but he's going to get into the playoffs and his thought that it's seeding. The number doesn't matter, strictly the opponent and the matchups, because travel no longer matters, home court no longer matters, but the matchup really matters. Really matters. We'll hear from Justin Zanuck next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Justin Zanuck, Utah Jazz General Manager. Justin, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? I am good. Get to the hard-hitting question first. Are you ready? <laughs> Whatever you got. Do you like it when PK calls you Jay-Z on the radio? I can't get away from it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> it could be a lot worse, frankly. It could be a lot worse, but that's... <laughs> That's the name that seems to fall. Follow me around. 
So I'm good with it. PK, you got the go-ahead. You can call him Jay-Z. Good, yeah, because I think, you know, that can help you. Just sounds, it makes you sound more hip as you get into free agent stuff. Uh, what is your initial impression of the bubble in terms of how it's working, and what do we expect going forward as far as safety? Not much of an issue? I don't think it's much of an issue at all, knock on wood. Um, the NBA is, has a long history of putting on very good events. This is unprecedented in terms of length. Uh, time in which they had to put it together. Um, I know, you know, you've heard Adam multiple times and other spokespeople for the NBA talk about the health and safety of the players first and foremost, and they've lived that every day um, with the protocols that they've set up. I, you know, I personally, our players feel very, very safe here, um, and it's allowed us to concentrate on getting back into the flow of things and, and really competing. But um, it's it's a great setup. It's, you know, given the circumstances in the country and the world, for them to be able to pull this off and have basketball again, it's, it's a great accomplishment by the NBA, and they deserve a ton of credit for it. When you use the word competing, obviously people start thinking about wins and losses, and they think about, well, how do you replace Bogdanovich? Playing 33 minutes, uh, shooting the ball really well, 15 shots a game, and we were debating several different guys who could help pick up the slack. I was curious when you look at Jordan Clarkson. He's playing 25 minutes a night. Does he have the body to play 30 or 35? I mean, obviously he couldn't in any one game, but over time, would he get worn down uh, given the bubble, looking at, you know, 15, 12 to 15 games to get through a just the first round into the second round? Could he do it over that time period? What do you think? I think we're going to find out a lot about our team. I've kind of looked at it in four different phases. You know, you've got the ramp up of us, you know, initially getting here and being able to practice together for the first time in three, four months. That's one stage. Second stage is, you know, starts tonight with our first scrimmage. And we've got three games there. Um, to kind of get used to the environment, get used to rotations, get used to guys just playing together again in competition. And then third phase is those seeding games where we're basically playing every other day. I do believe we have a stretch towards the end where we play three and four, and then we have the playoffs. So to get to your question, I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to find out a lot about how guys can hold up. I do believe that they all showed up in very good shape. I think the altitude draining has been an advantage for us. And our coaching staff will be prepared to play any sorts to absorb those minutes, the, the shots with Boyan. I think it'll be by committee, but at the premise, yeah, I think Jordan can play any role that the team needs and he's willing to. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. That may not be what you see tonight or, you know, even in the next you know, five, six, seven games and be playing a lot of different guys to figure out what works and then what matchup we're going to have in the playoffs because that's when it's really going to, you know, really going to matter. So when I look at this team without Bogdanovich, I look at the guy who has been asked to do what he does with Bogdanovich and now without Bogdanovich, the guy who's capable of giving more because he'll be asked more, to me, I go right to Royce O'Neal and I'm expecting him to come up big. Well, Royce is, you know, we've kind of said all year, whether privately or publicly, that we've had six starters. Um, And so now we have five. When you include, you know, Royce and then Jordan and and everybody else 
So I think you may see different lineups with different matchups. We're certainly not as big. We're a little smaller, but Royce has been able to play and guard multiple different positions. But yes, he's he's going to have a, a load, and he'll be one of the guys to take some possessions from Boyan. Um, absence, along with Jordan and Mike Conley and Darren. It'll be a team. It'll be a team effort that way. And then uh, Joe will have a big role too. So I'm excited to see it. And then we'll also have some development of some some of our younger players that have less experience. They'll be able to get some good reps and experience here during this whole time. Justin Zanuck, Utah Jazz general manager, joining us. Uh, Mike Conley obviously had the rough start. Uh, then he got hurt. But if you look at the game-by-game stats, those last 13 games or so really kind of stand out. His scoring was up. Shooting percentage, the three-point shooting percentage was up over 40%. He's about 17 points a game. Do you project him to improve on some of those numbers even more, or do you think that was best case, Mike, and you just need, after this four-month layoff, for him to get back where he was in those last dozen games or so? You know, not to put any expectations on him, but he's a complete pro, as you guys know. Um, Certainly it took a little bit of time uh, for his body and for his role on the team for him to figure it out. I think he figured that out well before the stoppage. And uh, he's continued his routine during during the quarantine and hiatus periods. And he's shown up in great shape and a great mindset. And I think, you know, he's – we've never – internally worried about Mike Conley and what he brings to us um, on and off the court. So I'm excited for him. He's in, he's in a good place. And frankly, it's almost like a second training camp. It's almost like the second year of his contract here a little early where he's had plenty of time to integrate and know and doesn't have any physical issues as well. So I think all of that being put together, he's poised to have a good run here. So Scouting and evaluation for future, it never ends, right? And you're always going on. I'm wondering with Walt Perrin gone, how is that going along? Well, Walt, you know, certainly is a tremendous loss for us. Uh, We were very happy for him. Um, I think he'll be a great asset for the Knicks. And one of the best things that Walt has done uh, for us here, not only helped us pick good players and and have such a great – demeanor and and just a great co-worker and great colleague to work with he's done a great job of of mentoring and, and helping along some of our younger guys and people in the front office and uh you know a little bit like boyan where it's going to be you know by committee that will replace you know his work and his uh, his expertise but he's taught our young guys some great lessons and we've been working hard um towards the draft and obviously evaluating going into the offseason, which will, will be shorter and we'll, looks like we'll have a, a quicker restart next year from all reports. So uh, we've taken the time in the quarantine period and hiatus period to really grind on some film and, and uh, whether it be college or free agency. And and as you said, you know, the evaluation never stops and how we do down here and taking the bulk of the season before and taking a look at that but he'll be missed but uh we've got a bunch of guys that we work as a collective and we'll be okay for right now but certainly i I miss him every day when i when i don't get to see him in the office how much did you miss most of the conference tournaments all of the ncaa tournament how much does that hurt evaluations and how much might it hurt next year if this coming college season is impacted i don't think it you know look 
my last game as an aside, my last live in-person game was the final between San Diego State and Utah State. It was a great game. To, if I was going to miss a last college game, that was a great one to, to be at. But, you know, most of the teams had played 25 to 30 games, so we had a bunch of film to evaluate. I think the, the difficult part is going to be more what's coming is, you know, no summer league, no – you know, rookie training camp, you know, training camp in the off season's truncated. So, you know, I think we'll be able to have plenty of information as this goes on to make a good selection. And I think the tough thing is going to be for these players who haven't played since March and really haven't been in an NBA environment. The draft's going to be mid-October and then at least right now camp opens November 10th, you know, 25 days later, which normally is you've got a draft and late June and camp starting beginning of October so you have three months more than three months to integrate rookies and now that's going to be truncated so what what kind of shape these guys come into because um, obviously we haven't been able to have contact other than interviews and you know evaluating them on film but what kind of shape they come into their mindset and they're going to get thrown into the fire quick so how they adjust will be important when you're in management of anything, really, and it's pro sports probably no different than whatever, you end up taking on many hats, you know, counselor, psychologist, talent evaluator, uh, somewhat of a parent, all sorts of stuff. I'm wondering from a management perspective, has the management of the Jazz spent a lot of time or any time, much time, counseling Gobert and Mitchell? I mean, look, certainly, you know, since we work with them and, and they're our partners and helping, you know, build a competitive team, we've spent a lot of time, you know, preparing and from a team aspect of, uh, you know, and really being there to support each other. Uh, they've been great. Um, what happened happened and they've been able to spend time together and it's been seamless here um it was seamless before when we were all together in salt lake so you know as a front office role it's really to support um and help in whatever way we can it's it's a role of service in its idealistic part whether that's the coaching staff players ownership um community our fans However, we can help um, move the team forward and together. So no more than normal uh, as far as whatever we do and, and continue to do down here or, or back in Salt Lake. Um, we've got a, a, a good group of people and high character guys that are talented first and foremost and two like to play together. And uh, all the guys here are just really excited to be together again. You know, they, they miss each other after being away for three months. I'm sure you can't definitively answer this question. I'd be shocked if you could. And yet any hint that you could give people, I think they'd appreciate. But you mentioned the fans. How far away are we? What has to happen before fans get to go to NBA games again? Because certainly there's some fans here who love doing that. Sure. I wish I could be definitive about it. Uh, but, you know, as Adam has said, and, and the rest of the league will follow public guidance and, and – uh, their ability to tell us what's going to happen and try to help with 20 and 21. And obviously, as soon as we know, I know our players are dying to play in front of of our great fan base. And uh, we're hoping that that can happen. Um, But we just, we don't have any timeline uh, of what that looks like. A lot of that's probably going to be public health. And, um, you know, what we are excited about right now is that we can get back on the floor and that even though it's, 
from a little farther away here in Orlando that our fans are going to be able to see our guys play starting tonight at 6 o'clock Mountain. So. Yeah, with no uh, home or away when we get to the postseason, how much do you think seeding is going to matter relative to where it used to be? Uh, the number's not going to matter. I mean, it's going to be the matchups and what those are projected, and we'll see how those shake out. Obviously, every team's got to get back going and, and playing together and, and be in a good place. Obviously, you're hoping that you peak uh, come playoff time and that you're in a good place, and then we'll play who we got to play. Um, so it'll be. I think it'll be really interesting looking at different teams, how they manage these scrimmage games and seeding games, uh, whether it's targeted. But for us, we just want to concentrate on being able to be at a place where we're playing very well together and we know what we want to do and we're connected and, most importantly, healthy, uh, which so far has been the case. Well, Justin, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. Love to talk to you again in the future. And uh, we'll be watching the games and the scrimmages, but then the games. Anytime. Miss you guys. There is Justin Zanuck, Utah Jazz general manager in the bubble in Florida. And I think of everything he said there, I think the thing um, that we really got to come back to here is in the playoffs, what number you are, whether you're three, four, five, doesn't matter. There is no home court. Uh, There is no traveling. There are no hostile visiting fans. Uh, There's no elevation, a key factor in the Jazz. You know, what it matters is who you matched up with and how do you match up with that team as currently constructed, right? And so some of this we can't even really know right now. Who's going to have to leave the bubble? What team's going to be shorthanded? Um, And who do you match up with? I think generally Jazz fans shudder at the thought of getting the Rockets. They shudder. Uh, I don't know that the Thunder are an easy matchup, um, but I think you take your chances with them over the Rockets, right? Harden, this is going to be interesting because, you know, a lot of times uh, James Harden is supposed to have been worn down at the end of the years. That's why he fails in playoffs. I think he fails because he comes up against the Warriors, and, you know, they have two, three, four guys on any given night who can really light it up, and Harden's got to light it up every quarter of every game. You know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry can have a bad quarter, and we don't notice because Clay Thompson's hot, or Clay Thompson can have a bad quarter because Draymond Green is hot, or when they had Durant, Durant is hot, right? And uh, if Harden has a bad quarter, we notice. You know, there's just no wiggle room, and he carries a whole load. But now he's not worn down with the 82 games or whatever playoff rounds come before. You know, now he's fresher, and he had 31 points in 35 minutes. And I know it's a scrimmage, and how hard's everybody playing? But looks like looks like Harden's got it going. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, the Jazz played their second scrimmage. Here are the post-scrimmage thoughts from head coach Quinn Snyder and from Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley, and we will do that next. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz beat the Miami Heat, even the record in scrimmages at 1-1, one and one, and that really doesn't matter. Uh, if you watch the scrimmages, uh, the end of the game is not played by the guys who usually play the end of the game. This is a chance to keep minutes off their legs, just let them kind of round back into shape, and let the young guys finish the game. So if they do things right at the end and win, great. If they do things wrong at the end and lose, uh, who cares, right? Well, that's probably too strong. Quinn Snyder definitely cares. And it's all about development of these guys. But realistically, these guys are not closing games. We don't even know that they're going to play in a maybe, maybe one of these guys will. You know, depending on you know the team shorthanded, injuries, foul trouble. Does Mike Conley stay with the team or does he have to go? How does that work out with his wife giving birth and all that kind of stuff? So it's just, you know, the end of these games aren't going to mean much when we compare them to the end of games in August and uh September if the Jazz, you know, get to the second round and are playing in September. All right. It is time now to uh, check in with uh, the post-game thoughts from the guys in Florida. And we are going to start with Mike Conley. Uh, Conley had 17 points. Didn't shoot the three well. He's one of five there, but uh, got a lot of his trademark floaters going. Really had it going in the third quarter as the Jazz got on a little bit of a roll. Here's Mike Conley. Is there something... Uh, to be said that you're feeling things out in the first half. I think you were a little bit more aggressive in the first half. You just couldn't make a shot uh, today. But, you know, w- what have you been seeing in your third quarters that you've been able to start playing well? Uh, I think, honestly, just, just continuing to learn um, and feel, feel myself through the game, I guess, because the, the game before, I think I was a little bit less aggressive. This game, I came out and was trying to, to look for shots, trying to look for plays to, to be made downhill. And like you said, just did the ball didn't fall on the hole. Um, but as the third quarter comes around, I, you know, I go back and I kind of rethink everything, look at the spots I can be uh, effective at. And, and, you know, as soon as I came out, I started thinking, like, oh, I got to take more mid-range shots, more floaters, um, you know, really put pressure on the rim and uh, was able to do that. Okay, next question from uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. Uh, Quinn mentioned that both you and Donovan were were demonstrating really kind of extraordinary patience, penetrating the lane, uh, finding, you know, Rudy on lobs where it's available or, you know, when he's drawing the defense, um, you know, finding your own shots there. What were you seeing in terms of your, your pick-and-roll chemistry with Rudy tonight? Uh, well, obviously with Rudy, he draws so much attention. Um, he rolls down the middle of the lane. And uh, with our guards, you know, the biggest thing for us is to be patient, uh, let the play develop. Because with him rolling, it, it opens up so many different reads and opportunities for us to uh, attack if we if we, if we we stay patient. And Donovan did a great job of it. I did a great job. I thought he, uh, all, the, all the guards who came in the game and, uh, and handled the ball, Joe, I mean, everybody got in the pain. And, it wasn't necessarily a play for yourself or just for Rudy. I think they're making the right play, you know, kicking it out to the corner, uh, kind of like a hockey assist from corner to the top, kind of stuff like that that doesn't go on a stat sheet. But, um, you know, we did a really good job of that. Okay. And last question will be from Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Mike, I'm just curious, with no fans or, like, atmosphere type thing, how important is that end of bench guys that are screaming, yelling, or just everyone screaming and yelling on the bench to kind of give you guys a little more atmosphere during the games? 
Oh man, uh, they're they're super important right now. I think they understand their role. Um, I mean, even you know when guys come out of the game, and you know myself and Donovan Royce, we all have to have that same energy. And you know, when you're normally back home or in your hometown, you don't have to necessarily stand up on every play, or you have to be the loudest one in the gym. But you literally have to uh, be the loudest ones and, and, and show the most emotion, and just really be behind each other because it's the time where we, you know, we all we got and. Um, we're the only ones that can, you know, help or make or break our situation. We're the only ones that have control of it. So uh, we just have to, you know, stand behind each other, keep supporting and yelling and make the environment as best as possible. There's Mike Conley after the Jazz beat the Miami Heat. Uh, Quinn Snyder uh, coming up in a second, but I want you to hear from Rudy Gobert first. Uh, Gobert uh, had a big game, started off really fast. And I thought some of the stuff Miami did and the matchup out there, Myers Leonard, um, you know, not the longest guy, uh, not getting off the floor and getting up there and challenge Gobert at the rim. Looked like Miami played him a little different. And you really, you got to drop your big and really take the space, get into Gobert's legs, don't let him jump and all that kind of stuff. Got to really crowd the paint. And uh, I didn't think Miami did a great job of that. <laughs> and so Gobert got a couple early dunks and then he got a loose ball and he got a dunk. And then he got, uh, got an offensive rebound and a putback that he didn't dunk. Thurl said because he wasn't showing off. And um, blocked a shot. He, he just kind of, he really got into the flow of the game and ended with 21 points. Had a couple blocks, had a bunch of rebounds too. So Gobert with a strong game. I, I like the garbage plays. Those to me, um, and PK and I got into this a little bit back and forth on it last night. You know, if they look for him early in the game and Donovan Mitchell found him early in the game and uh, Mike Conley found him early in the game, that gets Gobert going. I think when Gobert makes the block and gets the rebound or the loose ball and the put back, the dunk, whatever, I think that gets his teammates going, and there's probably truth to both of them. Um, I think if he really wants to be the 20.15 rebound guy, that I, I really think he wants to be. I think he does want to win for the team, and I think individually he wants to dominate and be a big part of that win as it goes. Uh, does, doesn't want to be a role guy and contribute, wants to dominate. So they're only going to be able to throw him so many lobs. Other teams are going to take those away. They're going to do a, a better job and play a differently than Miami did and they'll be more physically uh, you know more difficult matchups for him uh, but when he really gets rolling and really really gets angry and plays a lot of emotion out there he gets a lot of offensive rebounds and I think those buckets are devastating to opposing teams I know they're only two points but I just think for the flow of the game the emotion of the game you know Ingles is going to shoot what he shoots Conley and Donovan Mitchell probably shoot what they shoot so when they do miss if you get the offensive rebounds and the putbacks <laughs> it's a real problem for an opponent alright here's Rudy Gobert after he had a really nice scrimmage got off to a fast start here's rudy go ahead joe um, just, I mean, there's been a lot made obviously about you and donovan and your evolving relationship and uh, today on the floor i think he had three or four assists to you all on lobby trying to go for a couple more um how, how are you guys on the floor in terms of him looking for you and, and what kind of flow are you guys finding here i think we try to yeah. Uh, team, you know, try to make plays for one another, passing for one another, screening, uh, communicating on defense, you know, just trying to do other things to, to have a team we, that we always done. Yeah. Next up, we have Mark Medina, the athletic. 
I think it can be a, a good thing. It kind of reminds me of that hero a little bit. But uh, it could be a, I like the concept. You know, it could be great for families to be able to watch us and know that we can see them too in the stands. Hero, uh, Hero tried to dunk on you, and you blocked it, and obviously they overturned the call, but what were you thinking in the moment when they hit, hit you for the foul initially? I mean, it, it happens. I think from his angle, he was maybe about to see uh, that it was clean. He happened all the time. It's, it's all good. Are you, are you surprised, especially because he's, he's not that big, are you surprised when someone tries to, to dunk on you now? I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, it's uh, I think it's a challenge. It's a challenge for everyone to try to come in, and, uh, and it's a challenge for me every night to try to make sure it doesn't happen. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but but it's, the, it's the challenge that counts. Rudy, next question is from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Rudy, you've got to be. Uh pleased with how the defense performed tonight, especially after things were a little bit slow to start against Phoenix. Uh, how did it feel out there and what are some of the things that you saw improve? It's great. Mm -hmm. I think we all came off quickly defensively and we uh, were good to see that. They have a lot of shooters, they have a lot of guys that are too, so it was, a, it was a good challenge for us and I think we came out ready. All right, Rudy, next one is from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, what was the difference for you personally tonight? I mean, obviously you, you put up the points, but also I think defensively it looked like you had a little bit more impact on tonight's game than you did against Phoenix. What was that difference? Uh, I just think we, all of us were more locked in. You know, I think we, the first game was also a little weird. You know, just be back out there and, I just think we were sharper mentally, you know, and we could, we could feel it. I could feel it from the, from the get-go, and uh, I think the whole team could do it. All right, Rudy, next up is Tony Jones from The Athletic. Is there anything that you can tell Tony, or, you know, just kind of impart on Tony in terms of helping him, um, helping him on the floor when in the minutes that that you're not on the floor? Is there anything that you're seeing that you that that you would look at him and say, "Hey, if you do this, this will happen." Yeah, I try to help him every day, you know, try to give confidence, uh, all the good things that I think uh, can help me become uh, uh, get better every day. You know, he's got a lot better. And I think, uh, you know, I think he can be, uh, he can be really the key for, for our team if he, if he plays with more aggressiveness and confidence on the floor. All right, Rudy, next is Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Yeah. Rudy, what did you see rolling to the rim? You had so much success catching lobs from your guards today. Uh, just did a great job looking for me and then uh, passing the ball, you know. And uh, I tried to get out of the screen quicker than I did against Phoenix. And, uh, you know, it's on them. I mean, they did a great job looking for me. I threw it up there. 
All right, Rudy, our last one will be from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, it's uh, voting time for the, the media here and just wanted to know if you wanted to make a case for yourself for, you know, three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, I don't, you know, I think the people, uh, the numbers are there and you know, it's uh, out there, so people are going to have up there, they the numbers and they, they make the decisions. Fair enough. Hey, Danny, um, can we do one more from Taylor Rooks that, on this side? Sure, yeah. So this will be the last one, everyone. Thanks. Uh, Rudy, just going on what Joe asked you initially, I'm curious, are people making too much of this you and not of it scenario? I mean, I mean, I, I, people didn't have much to talk about for four months, so, you know, that was kind of the topic of the, of the moment, but not a bad thing. I think it's time to, to put it behind, you know, I mean, I get asked about it every day. Um, I can understand. I hope there's some more interesting topics. All right, there is Rudy Gobert. Now here is the head coach, Quinn Snyder, after the Jazz beat Miami in the scrimmage. Here's Quinn. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into these questions here. Uh, First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. So, um, obviously, you guys were pretty outstanding in the minutes where Rudy was out there. He seemed to, to really kind of have a good flow going down low um a little less outstanding in the minutes where he went to the bench how do you kind of uh what 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 did you see out there yeah yeah and really rudy was very good i thought he made himself available and really mike and donovan just did a terrific job of finding him um the, the when rudy's out of the game that you know that group's been been really solid and this was a tough matchup for um for that group particularly for tony because they had you know really shooting bigs and and uh, in transition you had to find people so i i i thought we kind of touched a level that we haven't we haven't been on um, particularly defensively at the start of the game and like i said you know as the game progressed sometimes in the the end of the quarter, um, in the first quarter, the beginning of the second. You know, we've been good. We'll, we'll be better. All right. Next question uh, will be from Mark Medina, USA Today. Good point. Good to see you. Good to see you, Mark. Hey, I was uh, wondering, what's your expectation level and how long it will take the guys to get to the condition of where it was before? And how do you approach that overall? Well, I think for us, you know, we want to we want to run. And uh, when you see guys getting up the court quickly, whether they have the ball or we're throwing it ahead to guys that can shoot threes early in the clock, I think sometimes um, we've got some guys that we have to encourage them to shoot. Um, but I don't think that it looks to me like we're, we're playing, that we're physically fit. Um, I, I feel like that's the case. There's always another level. And uh, I think that'll take, you know, take time for, for all teams. Okay. Next question will be from Joe Varden, The Athletic. Um, you were talking before the game, but I was Bogdanovich out. You take away his eight threes and you're like last in the league. And then Jordan comes out and chucks up nine and throws up nine. Did you, was that just a coincidence or was there a discussion after you talked to? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's been less of a discussion and more 
of something that, that we're really encouraging. And, uh, you know, Jordan's got such an effective mid-range game. Um, but really, you know, the, the three is something that can set up his mid-range game. And I think a lot of our threes were, were coming in transition when guys are running. And I don't think any of them, you know, they, they all want each other to attack and to, and to shoot. So it's good when, you know, they're getting encouragement from, from us and then getting encouragement for each other, taking those shots. And like I said, it's, it's more about taking them. Uh, I think we've got good shooters. And if we took, you know, we didn't shoot well early in the game. And then I think as the game progressed, we started making more. All right, next question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hi, Quinn. You know, without, you know, you don't have Bojan and in the games that matter in the playoffs, you never know what can happen with injury or foul trouble. So how important it is, is it today and then in the next scrimmage or maybe the seeding games to get those young guys some run like you did in the fourth quarter and then see them kind of maintain, actually hold on for the win? Yeah, it is important. I think, you know, rotations are, are always different. I think, you know, who plays for us, uh, could vary game to game, um, particularly just given the fact that you anticipate some matchup issues. You know, hopefully teams will have to match up against us as well. Um, but as you said, you know, getting guys who, who may or may we have may have guys that don't play in the game and then play big minutes in the other game, or you know, going for three minutes, whatever the case may be, everybody really has to has to be ready to play and. Uh, they have to integrate themselves defensively as much as anything with whoever they're on the court. Okay, next question will come from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Hey, Coach, can you talk about uh, the, the young guys and, you know, their progression uh, down the stretch and, and what did you see out of them and, and how were they able to finish the game against uh, some, some heat rotation guys? Well, you know, I, I think there were some mental errors. Um, that's on some level to be expected, but they played. They played hard and they competed. Uh, they were unselfish, and to me, those are the things that you know that are most important when you're you know, you're, you're trying to uh, be productive on the floor with whoever you're playing with. So it was it was good to see them um, really to compete, and then you know, you're going to have some success. I thought on the defensive end, they really. Um, they played hard, and we got to play a little smarter. But there's some communication situations that they just haven't been in before. Um, getting them on the same page sometimes it just happens with experience. Okay, and last question will be from Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, it looked like Don and Rudy were really connecting uh, on the pick and roll in the first half. What did you see between those two and their chemistry? Well, I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I thought both Mike and Donovan had great patience in the lane. Um, you know, and you know, Mike had a couple really, really good floaters. Donovan had a couple pull-ups. Um, so when people do stay with Rudy, those guys were able to to finish. Um, and a lot of times, because of their patience in the lane, they were drawing people. Um, and then they, they had Rudy for the lob or whatever may, may be there. And I think for our guards to, to be aggressive, um, to look to score, and then also, you know, have the patience to let a play unfold. And a lot of times, their their own stuff comes after they've read, and they don't have someone on the on the three point line, or they don't have the lob, and then they're able to finish too. So, 
it, it's not as easy sometimes as, as we try to make it sound. Uh, those guys, you know, our guards in the lane were really good, and they can make it look easy at times, and it's just not. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us.